how both New Orleans Saints quarterbacks Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill defied expectations in 2021, 2022's quarterback position outlook, and everything you need to know about free agency contracts as we get further into the offseason. We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome into this Wednesday episode of Locked on Saints, your daily podcast covering the New Orleans Saints, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks, as always, for making us your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget that we're free and available on all platforms, including on YouTube as well. And I'm your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter, Canal Street Chronicles, Locked on NFL, and here with you every single Monday through Friday on Locked on Saints. Now, as we get into the offseason, we're kind of undergoing a little bit of a different schedule here. Usually our Mondays would be like Game Recaps and Analytics Tuesday, Film Watch Wednesday, stuff like that. And while we'll certainly still get into pieces of particularly analytics and film study here all throughout the offseason, our rhythm changes a little bit. And on Wednesday and Thursday, I kind of want to dedicate these shows to looking back, at least early here in the offseason, to looking back at the 2021 season. So we're going to start off with position reviews. We'll go quarterbacks today, running back tomorrow. And I want to start off with the quarterbacks right off the bat because we know that it is probably the most important position here over the offseason that the Saints have to address. It is the most important position on the field. And the New Orleans Saints had a very interesting and intriguing 2021 when it came to quarterbacks, considering that they saw four of them under center and still almost made the playoffs. So I want to start off with a look back at 2021, and then in the second part of this, we'll dig into what things could look like moving forward to 2022. And in particular, I want to highlight why one challenger or piece of competition when it comes to Jameis Winston in the offseason may not actually be that competitive for him at all. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. But first, I want to start off with the quarterback position in 2021 and how both Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill exceeded expectations in their own right in 2021. Now, listen, I know, I know how it goes, right? Everybody has their favorite. They're either team Jameis or their team Taysom and they hate the other side and I get it. However, there is a way to look at this and what I want to stress today is how well both of these quarterbacks performed over their expectation, right? Their general expectation, not what you might have expected if you really like Jameis or you really like Taysom, right? You might've had a higher expectation, of the guy that you like. But in terms of the general expectations, they were low around both of these quarterbacks. And I think both of them not only rose to the occasion, but each in their own right ended up exceeding the expectation. We'll start with Jameis because he was the first quarterback that we saw in 2021. He and Taysom Hill were engaged in that quarterback battle over the course of the offseason. And Jameis won that uh, opportunity to be the starting quarterback. He went out there and appeared in seven games, will carry a five and two quarterback record, even though we know wins, losses aren't really a quarterback stat thing, Uh, but he'll carry a five and two winning record, which includes the Tampa Bay game where he was unfortunately, you know, suffered that ACL injury early on on the Devin White kind of, not kind of, but like brutal, like horse string tackle, uh, that uh, horse collar tackle, not horse string tackle. Anyway, um, that that was what ended Jameis Winston's season. But before that, he was really kind of producing in areas of the field that most people didn't expect. A lot of folks expected you were going to come in and have Jameis Winston throw 
you know, a ton of interceptions and all of a sudden he was going to be the antithesis to Sean Payton, which was my original expectation when he signed with the team last year. But then after seeing him kind of grow over the course of his time in New Orleans, over the offseason, all of that, then you kind of started to sit back a little bit on that expectation and play more of a wait and see approach. And when we kind of waited and saw, I think we were very happy with what we saw. 14 touchdowns to three interceptions. And he's his game wasn't limited to only being impactful downfield. A lot of folks think about, you know, Jameis Winston as being this, you know, big arm talent, big cannon for an arm kind of guy, which he absolutely was. And you could see those moments, right? The big touchdown passes to Deontay Hardy, both in the opener against Green Bay, where he also threw five touchdowns in that game, but then also uh, the game against Washington uh, at the Washington football team. But when it came to targets 20 plus yards downfield per drop back, he actually threw a lesser percentage than both Trevor Simeon and Taysom Hill, almost to the point where he threw nearly 10% less of that volume than Taysom Hill. Now, this isn't; these aren't raw numbers, right? These are percentages based upon the number of dropbacks. And Taysom had more, uh, fewer dropbacks than Jameis, but Jameis only threw 36.6% of his targets per dropback, 20 plus yards down the field, while Taysom went 45%. So I think both of those go against the grain of what you expect for both of these quarterbacks. We kind of know of Taysom Hill as somebody that has been shaky and targeting downfield. He improved in that area down the stretch throughout 2021. And we know somebody, we know Jameis is somebody that has really made his living or really made his reputation off of the volatility of throwing downfield. And he showed that he could produce without having to do that. Didn't average 200 passing yards uh, during his seven starts or anything like that. He came in and effectively ran Sean Payton's offense the way that we're accustomed to seeing Sean Payton's offense run. He threw the uh, second most passes between 10 to 19 yards for the New Orleans Saints in terms of that percentage at 18.9%. He was extremely efficient in that area, and he also threw the highest percentage in terms of volume per dropback of passes behind uh, the 10-yard line as well, so in the short area at 11.6% of his dropbacks going to that area. So you saw him spread the ball around, a lot of questions about how usable uh, uh, Alvin Kamara was going to be in 2021 if Jameis was the starting quarterback. But as we mentioned during the offseason, regardless of who's the quarterback, Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill, throwing to Alvin Kamara is contingent upon them winning that role, right? Like you're not going to win that role by ignoring Alvin Kamara. And we certainly saw that. Now, we did see a game where Alvin Kamara didn't get any targets in the passing game. But then we also saw in the Seattle Seahawks game where he had 128 yards. So sometimes things fluctuate. But consistently, Alvin Kamara was used with both of these quarterbacks. So Jameis, to me, exceeded expectations in terms of, A, taking care of the ball, being able to operate within the short and intermediate range, and even though still being effective deep, not relying on that to be the calling card of his game. As for Taysom Hill, not only did he throw the highest percentage of catchable passes for the New Orleans Saints in 2021, according to Player Profiler, he also exceeded in areas that I didn't necessarily expect, like his competence under pressure, right? His ability to be able to navigate when blitzed, all of that. He completed 57.8% of his passes, which was second best on the team, and averaged 8.6 yards per attempt when blitzed as well, which was also second highest on the team, only behind Ian Book, who played only one game and only had six completions when blitzed, and that was at 8.7. So really, you can call Taysom Hill the leader in that metric. I thought that he performed well in those situations and was also really decisive when it came time to scramble. We know what it is that you expect from Taysom Hill, right? 
You expect that he's going to run. You expect that he's going to be a bruiser. You expect those pieces. But the things that we didn't necessarily expect were him, you know, targeting downfield on 45% of his dropbacks. We also didn't expect him to have a 75.4% catchable uh, pass rate. But we also never really saw him be able to make quick decisions, right? That pass isn't there. That pass isn't there. I'm running. We saw that a little bit more as he got a little bit more comfortable in his time uh, throughout the end of the season with the New Orleans Saints. So look, did both of these quarterbacks benefit off of the offense that was opposite them? Absolutely. Did both of these quarterbacks benefit off of the system that was around them? Absolutely. But did both of them in their own right continue to exceed the expectations and the low standards that were set for them by folks that both supported them and were against them? Absolutely. Yes. And I think both of them deserve credit for that. As for Trevor Simeon and Ian Book, I think Ian Book is a big old incomplete at this point. There's no way that you can look at a Miami Dolphins Monday night game where 22 players weren't available, four coaching staff players weren't available, and he didn't throw a route to, or he didn't throw a pass to a wide receiver running a full speed route that entire week until pregame warmups. Hard to expect me to hold that against or use that as an evaluation piece for the kid. So I'm just glad that he survived eight sacks. And is going to continue to develop and didn't seem to lose any confidence in that situation. And Trevor Simeon was not great as a starter, but came in and was a good relief pitcher for New Orleans in the two games that he came in against the Tampa Buccaneers, as well as the Atlanta Falcons. Won both of those games would have been set up to start against the uh, Los Angeles Rams in the first round of the playoff games. We would have seen how that went. But he was a player that they trusted, right? 38% of his passes went for, uh, or excuse me, 38% of his dropbacks converted to 20 plus yard passes. He also targeted the intermediate area of the field more than any other Saints quarterback with 20% of his dropbacks there. So they didn't limit the playbook when Trevor Simeon was there. I don't know if Trevor Simeon is going to be around because he couldn't win games for the Saints in 2022, but I do think that he's going to have himself a nice market over the course of the offseason as other teams look for a backup that can come in and run their offense. And Trevor Simeon should be on the top of a lot of list of players or teams rather that are looking for those players that are formidable QB2s to come in in relief of their starting pitchers. All right, coming up next, we're going to dive into 2022 a little bit more and talk about the outlook for the New Orleans Saints. What could happen for the New Orleans Saints at that quarterback position? Lots of different options out there. What's most likely? What would we like to see? All of that. We'll talk about it as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. So I want to start off first by telling you, though, about our friends over at Built Bar. We are 19 days into January, but it's still time to make sure that you're carrying out those New Year's resolutions. Don't give up on them yet, especially if you've got some great resolutions like, you know, getting fit or eating right, things like that. So I want to make sure that if those are your resolutions that you do have Built Bar in your plans because Built Bar gives you the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar and actually it's even better than a candy bar. We got a voicemail from over at Lo- uh, Locked On Raiders yesterday that it was a guy who you know worked overnight in grocery stores. He saw that Built Bar had made it to the shelves there and he had basically been able to work those overnight shifts thanks to having Built Bar throughout the night. He had the salted caramel as well as the uh, the cookies and cream, I believe it was. So Really, really great kind of testimonial from that. But don't just take the testimonials, right? Try it for yourself. Head over to built.com and don't forget to use that promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5. That's promo code LOCKED15 so that you can get 15% off of your order, whether it's your first order or your next at 15% off with the promo code LOCKED15 at built.com.
right, here at Asia, continue on with today's episode of Locked On Saints. Thank you so much, as always, making Locked On Saints your first listen of the day. Don't forget, we're still here with you five days a week, every Monday through Friday, here on the show, even throughout the off season. Because there's going to be a lot of stories to talk about, but the biggest story in New Orleans is always going to be that quarterback spot. What's going to happen at the quarterback position moving forward? Now, there are a lot of assumptions that we have to make in terms of having this conversation, right? So instead of just making assumptions, let's talk about as many different scenarios as possible because there are a lot of different ways and in, in directions things can go in New Orleans at quarterback. So let's start with free agency, in-house free agency. The Saints could potentially run effectively the same quarterback room right back without Trevor Simeon very likely because again, I think he's gonna get a nice contract, nice backup quarterback contract somewhere, and the Saints aren't going to get into a bidding war over a guy that's not going to see the field, ideally, uh, for them, only because then you're talking about injuries and things like that to your starting quarterback. But they have Blake Bortles in the building. They signed him to a future reserve deal. He could be a veteran clipboard holder, all of that. You have Ian Book that you're working to develop. Taysom Hill, of course, is already still in the facility. He already got his extension. He'll play his joker role more than likely. I don't know that he's going to be able to compete for a starting quarterback uh, spot this offseason because of his injury. I don't know that he's going to be able to get back in time after the couple of surgeries that he's going to go through. So we'll see exactly how that portion of it pans out. But in terms of running it back, that would include bringing Jameis Winston back, which if you do that, then hopefully you're seeing his rehabilitation go well, his recovery go well from his own ACL surgery. We don't actually know when he'll be able to participate in things like offseason activities and training camp and things like that. You, you kind of look at other comparable timelines and assume that he'll he'll be ready for those offseason activities, but we would have to see exactly how that all actually pans out. So that's one route that the Saints can go. I don't think it's necessarily a bad route. And I talked a lot about potential competition for Jameis Winston. I think that there will be, but one of the biggest competitors for Jameis Winston, I thought was going to be the Pittsburgh Steelers. But according to recent reports from Ian Rappaport and even our own uh, uh, Chris Carter over at Locked on Steelers, Jameis Winston may not really be in the cards for the Steelers. The Steelers may be looking at running it back with Mason Rudolph and Dwayne Haskins competing for a starting role. Some rookie that they draft, Chris Carter said, very unlikely that they trade up, but that they just kind of grab with where they are. And then uh, some other veteran that they that they sign but don't pay a lot of money, right? So there, it seems that they're pretty content to go with what's left in the building already after Ben Roethlisberger leaves. So they might not be in that sweepstakes for Jameis Winston, though they might be in sweepstakes for other players like Teron Armstead, who continuously gets named around the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I mean, you might see other teams like the Washington football team, depending upon what they do in the draft, or if they decide to wait until the draft and it doesn't really impact free agency. Like there's still all of these kind of scenarios that the Saints could end up having to compete with in order to keep Jameis Winston if they wanted to. But it does look like the pool isn't going to be as populated as I thought that it might be, which is good news for the New Orleans Saints, who would likely bring Jameis Winston back on a deal that makes sense for Jameis for one year so that hopefully he gets the opportunity to like light it up in New Orleans and then potentially go out there and get a much larger contract elsewhere or get a much larger contract in New Orleans, kind of running it, running back what they tried to do this year, but with a little bit more money going towards Jameis Winston. The other scenarios all come down to trade, right? They could potentially trade for Russell Wilson. They could potentially trade for Aaron Rodgers. They could trade for Derek Carr, Jimmy Garoppolo, or Baker Mayfield. I think the Saints are going to explore every single one of these options, and it doesn't mean that they're going to do any of them. It doesn't mean that any of those players are actually even going to be available, but when you look at what Russell Wilson was upset about 
going into 2021, it didn't get much better for him in 2022, right? He was still hit a ton. He was still sacked on a high percentage of plays. He was actually sacked on a higher percentage of, of plays. This is, where do I have this? Wilson was sacked seven on 7.6% of his dropbacks in 2022. The New Orleans Saints quarterbacks were sacked on only 6.2% of their dropbacks, and they had a total of 7, 12, uh, 15 different offensive linemen that played on the offensive line, including seven different tackles, three different centers, and five different guards. The New Orleans Saints were in a better offensive line situation than the Seattle Seahawks somehow this offseason. That should make Russell Wilson pretty mad, considering that the Saints could hardly field an offensive line at one point during this season, including starting or not starting, but having a guy like Kyle Murphy come in and take snaps when he was signed off the street that day on Monday night before that Monday night football game against Miami and hadn't played in the NFL since 2017. And somehow Russell Wilson was sacked more in Seattle than New Orleans Saints quarterbacks combined or at a higher rate of dropback. So we'll see exactly what happens with Russell Wilson and how he could still potentially force his way out in Seattle. Does the new general manager in Las Vegas not want to work with Derek Carr and would rather trade him away for some assets? You could see potentially a Carson Wentz level trade for Derek Carr, like a second round pick, and then some kind of 2023 second that could turn into a first based upon snap counts or win percentage or games won or playoff appearance or or whatever. There's a lot of different ways that you can create those kind of conditional uh, assets to for for the trade. So there's the trade scenario for the Saints. They could potentially go that route. And then there's the draft route, right? I think the draft route is more of a draft and develop for a year more than it is draft and start. But do they already feel that way about Ian Book, right? Is Ian Book already in that process? And so do they want to draft another quarterback and hinder Ian Book's development or his confidence, things like that? I I don't know. And I mean, you know, there are quarterbacks that you could certainly draft and, and, and maybe start right off, you know, right out the packaging. Like, could Sam Howell raise his stock back up? Could Kenny Pickett be that guy? Could Matt Corral be that guy? Like, there are those players there that could potentially start for you, but it's not as clear cut as a Joe Burrow in the past, a Trevor Lawrence last year, Justin Fields in Chicago. It's not as clear cut as it has been in recent years. This quarterback class is a little bit more underwhelming than what we usually see. Not really a consensus number one selection. Right now, the argument for the number one selection of the draft is between two edge rushers, the guys that tackle the quarterback, not the quarterback themselves. So for the New Orleans Saints, they could potentially look at one of those players as a draftable, developable, developable uh, guy. I feel like I make up a word every episode. Uh, guy that they get in the second or third or fourth round like they did with Ian Book, but are they already dedicating those resources to Ian Book and instead should their focus be on the starter? I think so. So it's either maintaining the room that you had going into the 2021 season, going into 2022, or making that big splash signing or trade rather. And I think the New Orleans Saints are going to be all over those possibilities knocking down and knocking on everybody's door, flipping over, looking under every rock, whatever. They're not going to leave any stone unturned when it comes to finding the most important position for their offense. And I think that that is a good thing. That's what you should want to see from this team because they owe it to these players to be able to put them in the best situation immediately. And in order for the New Orleans Saints to do that, they're going to have to win in free agency, first with the in-house free agents and then looking ahead to their new acquisitions. So let's define free agency a little bit further, talk about unrestricted, restricted, exclusive rights, give you all the information that you need so that you're ready for free agency as the offseason gets closer and closer. We got all that coming up for you as we continue on and wrap up today's episode 
of Locked On Saints. But first, I want to tell you about Bet Online because as you get all the information that you need to be ready for the offseason, there's still the playoffs here. We have the division round coming up this weekend, and Bet Online is the number one place for you to place all of your sports wagers, all of your sports betting in 2022 as the playoffs continue to roll along and beyond. It's a new year, and so you've got a new updated desktop and mobile device website so you can sign up for today and you can get a 50% welcome bonus with the promo code locked on l-o-c-k-e-d-o-n that's promo code locked on for a 50 percent welcome bonus to get you started from football to baseball to hopefully hockey uh, to boxing ufc and even your favorite vegas casino games they have player prop builders that you can get in on that are a ton of fun live betting and even your favorite vegas casino games as well you can get it all over at betonline.ag the fastest and easiest way to get into all of that action when it comes to your favorite sports. And don't forget that promo code locked on for the 50% welcome bonus. Once again, that is at betonline.ag where the game starts. Let's get it. Hootat Nation wrapping up today's episode of Locked on Saints, getting you ready for free agency as the offseason continues to roll along. But we're not jumping straight to the offseason. You still have the playoffs and big announcement for you. We're going to be present at the Super Bowl as well when it comes to Super Bowl Radio Row. So your boy, as well as our friends with Peacock and Williamson, the Locked on NFL podcast, and of course, representation from both of the local shows for the uh, teams that are going to be playing in the Super Bowl are all going to be there all week. So I'm actually going to be bringing you Locked on Saints from Super Bowl Radio Row. Peacock and Williamson is going to be coming from Radio Row. Luke and I are going to be doing daily episodes over at Locked on NFL from daily from, from Radio Row. It's going to be a ton of fun. So just make sure you're keeping it locked over at the Peacock and Williamson NFL show, uh, the Locked on NFL podcast, and of course, right here on Locked on Saints all throughout Super Bowl week. Very excited for that. And that is just the first of many announcements upcoming this offseason. I'm going to be traveling a lot and I'm very excited about it, but we'll talk about that later on down the road when everything is a little bit more set in stone. So let's talk about free agency for the New Orleans Saints. Now, as I mentioned in our last conversation here, the Saints have to win in free agency this offseason. Usually the New Orleans Saints focus like their usual process, they should still follow because in-house free agents have to be the most important for them, right? They have always worked to first maintain and retain their in-house free agents, re-sign guys that are in the building. You've seen that with players like Ryan Ramchek and, you know, the big names like Ryan Ramchek and Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas, uh, Mar- Marcus uh, Lattimore, or Marshawn Lattimore, excuse me. They tried it with Marcus Williams. They'll have to try it with Marcus Williams again this season. And of course, like PJ Williams and, and those other pieces as well. So the Saints will still focus on that going into 2022. And that will be the first sort of point of order for them because you can't go and sign free agents until the new league year begins and until free agency opens. But players that are currently on contract with you or expiring contracts with you, you can offer to re-sign and to extend and do all of that. So those pieces will start to fall into place first. So let's talk about the different contract levels that the New Orleans Saints will end up encountering and that you should know about throughout the off season so that you're ready for free agency, right? So let's talk about unrestricted free agents, restricted free agents, and exclusive rights free agents to start us off, because those are the kind of three main categories. And by the way, this is part of our midweek fundamentals segment. We're going to do one of these every week. We're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about salary cap. We're going to talk about 
cover two, cover three, cover four zones, quarters. Like we're going to break down a lot of stuff to just kind of learn the game of football better together as we go through. So if you have suggestions or questions that you want to specifically talk through, go ahead and hit me up. You can hit me up wherever is most convenient for you and let me know what you want to learn more about as a whole when it comes to the game of football. And we'll talk about it in our midweek fundamentals segments. So when it comes to unrestricted free agents, that is simple, right? Those are the free agent contracts that you're accustomed to. Any player can go and talk to any team once free agency opens, and then they can sign a contract based upon those negotiations. There's nothing that's sort of predetermined in that. There's nothing that is, uh, except for like if they sign a a veteran uh, minimum deal or something like that, that is set, right? What that number is, but they can negotiate up from that, everything. So that is what you're accustomed to. That is going on like Madden and just signing a player, right? That's unrestricted free agency. No real restrictions there in terms of what, how those communications go, except that you can't have them with other teams until your contract is fully expired and free agency opens up. Restricted free agency, on the other hand, in-house free agents will have restricted free agent tags if they have less than three years or just, or just over uh, three years of experience in the NFL and their contract fully expires with the team that originally signed them. So for instance, Deontay Hardy is a restricted free agent. He signed with the New Orleans Saints as an undrafted free agent. He was there for three years and now his contract is expiring. He is now an unrestricted free agent. So with that, or excuse me, a restricted free agent. So what that means is that the Saints can go with some predetermined levels of contracts, but Deontay can still go out and have conversations with other teams. The three predetermined levels of contracts are right of first refusal, a second round tender, T-E-N-D-E-R, don't come at me, and a, and a, or a first round tender. So the way that this works is that with a right of first refusal tender, the New Orleans Saints could sign him for whatever that amount is, and then he could go out and have conversations with other teams once free agency opens up. And if another team offers him a contract, then the Saints get right of first refusal. They can choose to either match that contract or let him go. The reason why there are three different levels is because on a right of first refusal contract, it's simple. They get the opportunity for right of first refusal, but if they choose not to match a contract that he's being offered somewhere else, they get nothing. They lose the player. He ends up signing elsewhere, but they get a chance to match the contract if they want to. With a second round tender, which is a little bit more expensive, if a team gives them an offer sheet or gives that player an offer and the Saints choose not to match that contract, then the other team would gain the rights to that player. But that team, the signing team, would have to send the Saints a second round pick. First round tender, a little bit more expensive, exact same scenario, but they would have to send a first round pick to the Saints. Let's say that they have two second round picks or two first round picks, they have to send the better of the two. So it works really well in, in players' favor. We saw this last year with uh, Taysom Hill or yeah, last season with Taysom Hill when he signed an RFA tender on a first round tender, right? And no other team signed, you know, put in an offer sheet for him, anything like that. We saw the Saints keep Josh Hill a couple of seasons ago because the uh, Chicago Bears offered him a contract, but they had right of first refusal. They chose to match the offer sheet and keep Josh Hill in New Orleans before, you know, he then played his, his, the rest of his career in New Orleans after that. So that's what that piece is. And then the final level of this is the exclusive rights free agent tag. That means that the Saints would have exclusive rights to that player. So it's a tender system as well to where they can just say, 
we're going to put out, you know, we're going to tender this player. We're paying them the minimum that we're required to pay them in order to keep them in New Orleans. But they don't have the ability to go out and just mingle and mix it up with other teams, right? That's that's the simple situation. Very easy. Um, a player to keep an eye out on for that this offseason is Juwan Johnson, who has less than three years accrued and is somebody that is who has an expiring contract and therefore the Saints can give him basically that tender to just keep him in New Orleans. So those are the the main ones. There's another kind of fourth one, which is called a street free agent. That basically means that that player is available and is a, a free agent immediately, right? It's not about getting to the end of the league year or free agency opening up or anything like that. Their contract is already technically expired. Two players, Blake Bortles and Jordan Miller are those players, but the Saints have already signed them to future reserve deals. By the way, the Saints also added in former two-lane wide receiver uh, Jalen McCleskey to their future reserve list as well. So he'll be back at training camp for the New Orleans Saints next season. So they're already taken care of. You don't see street free agents actually hit the market a lot, but you see it sometimes, right? The players that end up not getting signed to those uh, exclusive rights or excuse me, to those uh, future reserve deals. Those are the street free agents that hit the market. Haha, ha, Clinton Dix right now is one of those guys. So that's that's it. Those are the those are the big free agent ones. Those are the ones you're going to hear about. Unrestricted, restricted, exclusive rights and street. Next, we'll go into the salary cap situation for the Saints next week. How easy is it for them to climb out from the over $60 million of overages that they have going into uh, the offseason? Pretty simple. But can they get under it enough to spend will be the big questions. So we'll talk about that next week. Coming up tomorrow, we're going to dive into running backs as we continue on with our position reviews, which we do every Wednesday and Thursday. So we have that coming up for you. How did Alvin Kamara perform? Can Alvin Kamara get some help in that backfield? We'll talk about all of that, including the 2022 outlook and more, keeping you up to date with everything going on around your New Orleans Saints every single Monday through Friday here on Locked on Saints. Thank you, as always, for making us your first listen of the day. For your second listen of the day, don't forget to go and check out the Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get all the insight that you need to help you win some money. As always, for everything that you need in between when it comes to your New Orleans Saints, make sure that you're following me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're mom and them. And trust you, that nation, I'll holla at you.